Hey, welcome to TBT's podcast. I'm Dan Friel. On this edition, we're going to check in with two of the biggest TBT fans you're probably ever likely to hear from, Brian Kunis and Vince Pegan from New York City. Vince and Brian are actually roommates and have been TBT fans from the beginning. Both of them signed up very early on in March of 2014. Vince actually has picked the winning team in TBT two years in a row, the only person to have ever done that. He's going to try to make it three, and we'll hear from him today. Remember that you can subscribe to TPT's podcast on iTunes. Just hit that little subscribe button at the top right-hand corner. Leave us a rating and review. It'll help spread the word. Thanks. All right, guys, you there? Yep. yep. Now, we've got Brian Kunis Kunis, and we have Vince Pegan on the phone, or on the Skype, I should say. How are you guys doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. Brian, we were just, before we stopped online, we were actually we were just talking about the pronunciation of your name. You had a great little anecdote there. It's K-U-N-I-S. How do you, how does your family pronounce it? Well, my family and my high school friends would say Cunis, as if you spelled it Q apostrophe N-I-S. But then if you ask college friends, you ask law school friends, they would say Kunis because Mila Kunis, the actress, has kind of usurped my name and the pronunciation of it. So that's just something I've had to deal with. Everyone mispronouncing my name all the time, and then I just kind of accepted it rather than fight it. But now, is it easier to accept it, or is it? Was, do you feel like you're just a swim and swimming up river? Yeah, swimming up river because everyone's natural reaction to, is to pronounce it wrong. So I can either you know contest them every time they say it wrong, or just you know, Mila Mila is a good actress, not not related to me, so I can say good looking girl. Um, so you know what? It's fine. I'll take it. And Vince, you're a Pegan, but I'm curious. Uh, I'm curious, like, does anyone ever say Pagan? Yeah, you know, I, I get it all. And, and what I'd say about Brian is that I was most disappointed meeting him that he's not related to Mila. No introductions, no nothing. Just just the internet is the only way I can get in touch with well, Mila. I'm actually interested in this, too, because you guys are roommates. But from what I can dig up about you on LinkedIn and everywhere else, there doesn't seem to be an obvious historical connection. Is there? Um, I can take this one. Yeah. So I went on semester at sea, my junior fall of college, where you, you take a cruise ship basically around the world. And one of my best friends from that ship, his name's John Sweeney, he ended up living with Vince in New York off of Craigslist. And then when I moved to New York, I ended up being the third roommate for them in, a, in an apartment in the West Village that is about... Maybe ten by twenty. Three of us were living in there, so yeah, so, it's a Craigslist made connection. Would be uh, <laughs> the way I'd say. It. That's right. So you're not in the misconnections. You're in the made connections, then. <laughs> Indeed. How One did you fit three? That. How did you fit three people that have not lived in New York? I don't think have a great appreciation for just how cramped everything is. But how did you guys fit three in a ten by twenty? We had this amazing, like, combined living room kitchen. That had a like uh, a sofa that also would lift up and be storage for like our pots and pans. So basically, when you're cooking <laughs> you're and someone's trying to watch TV, you're in each other's space and blocking everything that's going on. Um, and that and basically lofted beds were uh, were the two ways to to create the most space. Did you guys, it was go- base- no, go ahead, uh, Brian. It, w- it was a one bedroom apartment. We found out initially pre-war, and then they converted it into a three bedroom which is kind of nuts to think about the, my first room i lived in new york was was probably eight by ten eight by nine it was unbelievably small that's incredible yeah but 
But the best part about it, it was above Joe's Pizza. So when you wake up in the morning, you take a shower. It smells like fresh dough when you wake up. So there's <laughs> yeah. no better way to, to take on the day than with fresh Joe's um, smell. That, that's definitely the best thing about People it. People would always say, don't you get sick of that? And I was like, not even close. Every day, Joe's Pizza is the best pizza in the world. So you know, it was it, pretty unbelievable. Really, how do you ever get sick of pizza, in all honesty? It's just as impossible. Yeah. Especially really someplace is. that sounds like it's as good as Joe's. So then you guys went from there and then obviously stuck together and now you're in a, 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 a two-man apartment? Oh, no. No, no, no. <laughs> what do you no. have now? It. You'd have to see it. We basically went to the polar opposite of what we're in. It's, it's essentially a house in New York City. It's two floors. It's got five bedrooms. It's got a washer-dryer, two bathrooms, and then... The crown jewel is that we have about 600, 700 square feet outdoor space. That is all ours. Is it, so, just, is it just you guys in there? No. there's Vince and I live on the first floor, and then there's three people downstairs. So yeah. it's it's a lot less crazy than it actually sounds, but um, it's kind of the end of an era at this point. Vince and I are both looking to move out and kind of, uh, I feel like that, Toyota commercial where the guy's like moving in with his girlfriend and then he's got a kid and then you know all that so we're kind of graduating from this but it's not without sadness what's the plan well I'm moving I'm moving in with my girlfriend and it depends where but probably Hoboken I don't know at this point but yeah, the five bedroom dream life is coming to an end. But we've had a good run. It has. It seems like it's been a good run because you guys have both, I think, been involved in a great event in TBT for the last two years. And I wanted to talk about how that came about, uh, Brian. It seems like you may have been the first one to find out because I'm looking up your records here, and you actually signed up to vote as a fan on March 3rd of 2014, just three days after the site launched, the tournament.com launched. Was it the sure. Cornell connection that that you found out about TBT to begin with? Yeah, it was. One of my really good friends from college, uh, his name's Kevin App. He's actually the coach at Williams College now, the head coach. He played at Cornell. He walked on. He played four years. And then he was a coach on the 2010 Sweet 16 team. So I'm Facebook friends with him. And then someone from the team tagged him in a post saying, you know, letting him know about this tournament. I don't know if he was going to play in it or coaching it or what. But it just sounded too good to be true. But I did the research and I was like, you know what? This sounds awesome. And I thought they had a great chance to win. It didn't work out that way because they went out in the first round. But it was still fun to follow them and root for them. And Vince, how about you? You signed up on the on the 16th of March of 2014. Yeah, so uh, Brian was, was really the uh, initial lead in. So I found out about it from him. But then a funny thing happened. I was on Facebook as well, and one of my uh, fraternity brothers from college had posted about his uh, brother being in this basketball tournament. I'm like, oh, that's what my roommate was talking about. He's been he he got me to sign up, and I shot him a Facebook message, and I ended up switching allegiances from uh, that Cornell team to what ended up being the uh, the winner, which is the uh, the finding alumni uh, from Notre Dame. So. I made a, uh, I jumped ship uh, as in my first year, um, and, and found out about from from really two different people, uh, but ben, via Facebook on both of them. Benedict Arnold, right there. I was I was mad when you switched. I was legitimately mad at you. I don't think I talked to him for a day. Are you kidding? Two. I mean, I didn't want him to abandon Cornell. I, 
you know, Cornell's the little guy team that is always getting disrespected, and I, I really thought they were going to win this inaugural tournament. I really did. Can I tell you, we thought we thought they were, too, because at one point we thought they were going to be the only team that qualified uh, in, their, in, their first, <laughs> in the first week or so. You know, they were, there was just such a uh, learning curve for teams to figure out how they have to even organize themselves and, and get the votes or whatever, and for whatever reason, Cornell just, like, jumped out of the chute. And they had uh, a full roster. They had their 100 votes. They were all ready to go. And it literally was like a week plus before another team even qualified. And we were pretty convinced that Cornell was going to be the only one. Um, you know what was funny, Brian, is that with the Cornell team, uh, John has this uh, – John Mugar, the CEO, has this moment where I think he saw Marshall Henderson and uh, Hakeem Warwick run out in the court. And for him, that was the moment where it all kind of seemed real. Uh, but for me, it was when that Cornell team jogged out. Uh, in Philadelphia in 2014, it was they they played one of the very early morning games. I think it had to be like an 8:15 or an 8:30 tip off, um, and they all came out, and uh, it just like all of a sudden seemed real when they came out, um, you know, to, to for warm ups and everything like that. But they were missing Ryan Whitman, and you were saying before that maybe you got a little tip that maybe he wasn't going to make it make it to the game. Yeah, I forget who told me. It might have been Kevin, but I heard he wasn't going to be at the game, and and then I don't think Lou Dale showed up either. So. They really were without their two players of the year, um, and then Jeff Foote, who's actually an assistant at Miami now in the Sweet Sixteen. I don't. He didn't show up either, so they were really running on fumes. I didn't get to the game because was it on a Friday the first day? It was. Yeah, I had to work that day, and I didn't get there until later in the night when um, I watched the Barstool team play Barstool Philly. Oh, so you actually made it down? Yeah, I made it down, but I couldn't unfortunately get to the Cornell game. But they lost by the time I got there, but I was getting updates along the way when I was on the train. Interesting. Uh, Vince, how did you end up picking Notre Dame? You mentioned something about a roommate from college. What was the story there? Yeah, yeah. So one of my uh, fraternity brothers in college um, is actually Kieran Pillar's uh, brother. So he uh, <laughs> he was connected uh, uh, very directly to that team. And uh, I, thinking back on it, I actually went back through the, my – Facebook notes uh, back and forth uh, on that day. And I think more than joining that team, because I'm from Indiana and uh, I, I grew up a Purdue fan, am a diehard Purdue fan today. I don't want to vote for you know Notre Dame to win really anything. Um, but more than that, I, I wanted to spite Brian and make sure that I was going against <laughs> Cornell and his team more than anything. So um, I, I went outside my usual Indiana comfort zone and took Notre Dame and uh, ended up being the right pick. Did you guys play the bracket out and figure out when Cornell would have played Notre Dame? Had you looked that far ahead? No, we had not. Now, I mean, Cornell, was gone, we, Cornell was gone in a blink of an eye, so yeah, you was, didn't have time was, to digest. It was a pretty short run. Um, one of the things I was really um, interested in with you guys was sort of how it is that you came to – I guess, follow it and really kind of get engaged because it, you not only voted in year one, but then you came back and voted again in year two. And Vince, you know, we've kind of hidden the, um, hidden the thing here, but you know, you voted for the winning team two years in a row, which I think if the records are correct, you're the only person in TBT history to have done that. So you have no, no pressure for 2016, but how was it that you came back in the second year? What made you come back in? Cause Cornell wasn't there. Yeah, I joked after winning uh, the first year, all I got after winning was a, a TBT shirt. I, I got it a few months later, having been uh, a voter of the team. But now uh, I've given that shirt to Brian, and that joins uh, his vast collection of, of TBT merchandise. So uh, 
the first year really got you, got you hooked. Uh, it, it's a really interesting format, you know, it, in this day and age, um, you know, with, with the popularity of March Madness, um, you know, being able to feel like you're a part of the team and voting and really like understanding the grassroots of where everything, you know, starts and votes with, with the team really gets you, um, you know, as part of the game and, and behind the game, um, as well so you know once once the the format launched and, and we knew about it we were hooked and and talking about it uh being basketball fans but the weird thing about being a basketball fan and, and growing up and idolizing these players is that they move on and maybe they're in the nba maybe they're not and you, you still remember all of these great players from your childhood and tbt is kind of them coming back and the idea of putting the team back together is just so exciting to like college basketball fans and uh, guys like us who have teams that we followed very closely and wonder what these guys are up to. Um, you know, it, it's really exciting to to see that come together. And, and uh, you know, that was uh, once we once we were in, we were hooked. Have you reached out to Purdue at all, uh, Vince, to try to get a Purdue alumni team back in here? You know, I have put out a couple feelers to some some hometown players to see if I could, you know, be the uh, the buddy Garrity, as you guys put it, of that team. And I would love nothing more than that. Um, but you know, it, it's really about getting that uh, that first guy to step up and uh, and and take it on. So um, you know, maybe you'll inspire me to to get much more aggressive. And um, you know, I'll, I'll I'll offer them unlimited Jack Links beef jerky. I'm sure they can hook us up. Oh, with that's that. a. I mean, that's going to be a, that's going to be a draw for almost anybody. I would I would imagine. Brian, what about you? What, what, you what, what brought you to come back the second time? I mean, this is pretty much an event made for me. Awesome swag to buy, uh, good basketball. And I, I love college basketball. I like the NBA too, but I love college basketball. So I love looking at the teams and being like, oh, my God, that guy. I remember him. Um, <laughs> it's, it's just great. I love, I love the overseas elite roster this year. So I guess I can tell you how I became a fan of overseas elite. Um, it's probably a natural time for this. Yeah. So I chose Cornell again this year and I thought I'd stay loyal to them. I don't, they didn't even end up fielding a team for the tournament, but, um, before the tournament started, um, my friend from law school, Andrew Morrison told me that he was putting his own squad together and he was going to center it around, um, Eric McCollum, who's a pro in China. And I'd heard about him and his, 81 point game so I knew what he brought to the table and then he also told me of a couple of other guys he thought he was going to bring on board the guys from um, St. John's Paris Horn and DJ Kennedy so he convinced me he told me that's where the money was and he was not lying at all because I have a thousand dollar check you know showing just that well let's talk about that part too because I think that's one thing that you know, obviously changed in 2015. The money's going to go up again to the fans this year as well. But both of you guys got paid last year when Overseas Elite won. Ever had an experience oh, like that as a sports fan before where the, where the team wins and then you get paid? I mean, I've won some NCAA tournament brackets, but it's never been so tied to one individual team. And when we went to the Final Four, Vince was at the finals. I mean, that was an awesome experience. I don't think I've ever rooted harder for a team... <laughs> Besides maybe Cornell when they're in the Sweet 16 that I did for Overseas Elite. Those were two awesome games, too. That was great basketball. It was so competitive. 
it's just so fun to be there. And the gym, the gym was absolutely rocking. What did it feel like to have something on the line in that game? Like to know that you could walk out of there with a check for a thousand. Well, at least have it in the mail. I mean, pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. It was definitely more than just watching a normal game. And it was more than just betting on a normal game. I don't know if, I mean, I've bet on sports before and it's not nearly as fun as what I went through at TBT. What about you, Vince? What was your experience? Yeah, I remember sitting behind the bench and really getting into the game and it was in in that game that I realized like wow I'm actually gonna have a shot at winning money here like that was something that you know you sign up as like a bonus but I really didn't realize it it was it was that close until until we were there and as you're sitting behind the bench you know these these guys are there to you know play ball and 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 hopefully win some money you know every everyone but the one team doesn't and uh I guess to me, Brian and I, we felt like cheerleaders. Like we were just screaming at these players, like trying to give them motivation. We know they're they're tired and they played a lot of games over the the series of the tournament. So it was good to like be on the front lines and cheer. And then you know when when they did win, um, you know be a part of that that ceremony because we were we felt like winners, uh, even though we didn't put any physical effort other than yelling into it. <laughs> Brian, when you were talking, or when Andrew was telling you that he had this team, what was he saying about it? Like, did he describe the guys and say, "Listen, this is going to be the team to beat"? What did he say? He he initially was kind of going with that tune, but then as it got closer. Uh, I was texting with him, and he's kind of saying, I don't think this guy's showing up. I don't think this guy's showing up. Shane LaWall was overseas playing for, I think, Nigeria's national team. So they played with a really depleted roster for them early on. And I remember um, they they squeaked by pretty much every game. Every single game was very, very close. So I think at full strength they were the team to beat. But that's, you know, half the battle in TBT, getting everyone to play from the very start. Because you lose one game, you go home. It's like, the, it is exactly like the NCAA tournament. Right. Vince, why did you choose to go with the Overseas Elite instead of just picking one to antagonize your roommate? Yeah, you know, I, I guess after antagonizing him and, uh, and, and taking the crown, um, his inside intel was just too good to pass up in year two. Um, I, I didn't have any other... A solid leads to uh, to get me to the crown. So I, I, I guess as much as I uh, I went against him in year two, I uh, I made up for 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 joining the team in year two and it ended up being the right bet. So um, I don't know who is going to be my third year good luck charm, uh, whether it's a, a fraternity brother from college or my my roommate now. Um, but I'm looking for you know higher beings to help me out to uh, to go three for three. You guys are. Um obviously passionate about tbt i'm curious like what other sports you guys follow what else are you into do you play fantasy football together i assume that you've got you know some other joint interest in sports um i actually play fantasy i play i'm a fantasy football nut i'm not very good at it i actually in my law school league with um andrew i've never made the playoffs in i think our seven years so the amount of time i spend on fantasy football for how well i do is is pretty horrible um I love football. I'm a huge Bills fan. Uh, I love Cornell basketball, despite, you know, they're going through a lot right now. The coach just got fired. Um, and I'm a big Yankee fan as well. But I'd say college basketball as a whole is my absolute favorite thing to watch. How about far. you, Vince? I, oh, sorry, Brian. I cut you off. No, no, that was it. Yeah, no, I, I grew up a, a Cubs baseball fan. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, I grew up where Purdue University is. So, 
you know, although there were, you know, professional sports, I am like Brian through and through a college sports fan. Um, you know, I grew up with, uh, Glenn Robinson, you know, being the, the star at Purdue, then, you know, making it to the NBA as a first draft pick. Um, you know, when it, right before I got to college, it was when Drew Brees led Purdue to, you know, the Rose Bowl, um, you know, right before I got there. So, like, the uh, being in the town and, and, like, understanding how much the, the school means um, is it, just way different than the way call, or professional sports work. So, uh, I like Brian. I, I just love college sports um and uh i think this is like that that next iteration uh, of graduating but but still having those teams yeah i was wondering if that was something that attracted you guys to it because it does seem to be even with the non-alumni teams there does seem to be uh, very much a grassroots community built around these teams if you don't have the support of your friends and family to start with and then their friends and family and so on you're just not going to get in particularly this year i think but do you see sort of um, aspects of the college sports uh, scene that are similar in, in how these teams are organizing themselves? I, I guess other than the like enterprise rent-a-car commercials, you never know where college athletes go. <laughs> like, there, there's there's yeah. so much uh, there's so much that happens after they either like hang up the jersey or go to play overseas. And I think it's a fun way of just like catching up with what happened with, with those stars that you idolize as, as college players. Um, when you when you were younger or, you know, were there at the same time they were playing. So I think for me, like being a part of, you know, picking the teams and, and picking a winner. But I think catching up with people that you don't remember um, until like you see their face again or, you know, see a highlight on YouTube. It, it, it's fun to catch up with those people. I want to ask you guys, how have you guys studied at all what's going on with TBT in 2016? Like how familiar are you with it? Uh, pretty familiar. I mean, we know obviously the big thing is that the money has gone up, and especially if I think if I was the same level fan I was last year, I would make I think five grand or ten grand. Yeah. So yeah. the money going up is obviously a huge thing for interest. And I, I mean, think that's a that's real awesome. that's a real check. I mean, I don't know what what your rent is. I assume that you know your thousand dollars isn't covering your share, but that's a real check. I mean, five or ten thousand grand, ten thousand dollars or twenty thousand if you're the top fan. Um, so the top fans are going to split two hundred thousand um, dollars of the two million. What did you guys think of the ringer? Do you know what that is yet? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm really really excited about the ringer. Um, I was you know I was thinking about the teams and uh, like like that moment when you know the ringer you know if uh, if you know one of the teams has has a ringer like steps out on the floor and everyone figures out who it is for the first time is just so awesome in so many different ways. Um, yeah, that's gonna add a, add a whole new dimension to the game, which is uh, it, it's gonna be awesome. I think our plan is to keep that secret as long as humanly possible and to see what happens with that. Was that is that how you'd like to see it? Yeah, absolutely. No one should know who it is. Maybe maybe only even like the general manager of the team should know. I, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> that would be great. Like even his teammates. Team. Right. It's like, who are we even going to be playing with? Um, and, and yeah, the more surprise, the better to, to me. I'm right. expecting I'm expecting Allen Iverson. That's my call right Don't now. Don't you think that would be amazing if Allen Iverson showed up in Philadelphia to play as a it would be That would be insanity. And I know he would still be awesome. You know He's what I think I would do? His prime, but I think I might leak something to Reddit if that was if that was the case. Like you know how we're supposed to keep it secret? Like I think I might the day the morning of I'd leak something on Reddit like hey, I heard Allen Iverson's going to play tonight. You know, and just see Wait, what then, happens. You just want to get upvotes. That's cheap. 
What's that? No, you're just trying to get upvotes on Reddit. Yeah. <laughs> I get downvoted all the time anyway. So apparently my opinions are not very popular. But don't you think, like, I, mean, I think Iverson would be great. Any other guys you guys have thought of, like, who would be a great ringer or who you would, might want to see? Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm trying to I think would, realistic people because if you think a guy like Michael Jordan, like, he would be obviously the the gold standard of ringers, but he doesn't need the money. He doesn't need the like money. And I don't, would he help you? At 53. Yeah, the physicality's not there. I, I don't think he's the gold standard for, for Ringer. I don't know. I, I just, I just Everyone agree. would be watching him on the court at all times. He could have the ball. All five people would be staring at him in awe. He's just a king in basketball circles. That's a brilliant... Yeah, that's exactly what he did with the Wizards, though. And like, you he saw was that still good. Time. He was still good. No, he wasn't. But look at his stat line with the Wizards. No way. I don't, I, don't I think Brian makes a good point, Vince. I mean, if, if Jordan was on the court, I think every player would be staring at him and you'd have an inherent advantage just because they're kind of in awe that they're actually playing with him. Don't you think? Got it. So he's, he's really just the distraction. He's like, like a the, decoy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like the, the, uh, barking dog play in basketball. It's just the Jordan <laughs> on the court play. Yeah, I like it. I think it would work well. I think that would be great. Jordan would be great. I think realistically, I think it's probably going to end up being somebody that maybe had a conflict earlier in the summer. Or that wasn't ready to commit or something like that. Or maybe an NBA free agent uh, or somebody that's recently retired, something like that. Yeah. Uh, can I ask you a question? Absolutely. I, what's the deal with a current NBA player? Um, so if they're under contract, every other contract, I'm, every contract I'm assuming bars them from playing in other competitive basketball that's not team sponsored, something like that. Well, sort of. I mean, our position is we don't, we don't um, prevent anybody from playing. The event is open to like, literally anybody that wants to play. Even college kids, like if some college kid desperately wanted to forfeit his eligibility, we would let him play. Um, with the NBA situation, you know, they've got a collective bargaining agreement that says that they're not allowed to play under certain circumstances unless it's an NBA sanctioned event. It can't be an event for money. Uh, even charity events sometimes are are barred. Um, so we just don't get involved with it. And what we tell every team that is trying to get an NBA guy is, hey, if you um, – want to go down that route, go ahead and do it. And you want to test those waters, see if you can see if you can go ahead and do it. But just like anybody else that has a job, their job may tell them that they can't play. And yeah, I think it's just, it's money talks. I mean, if this tournament gets up to, you know, 5 million bucks in a couple of years, someone might delay their free agency to play. If you can make a million bucks, you're obviously not guaranteed anything, but if, the money gets to a certain level, I think it'll draw the interest. Well, right. And then think about if you're an 11th or 12th guy on an NBA roster, or even if you're somewhere lower than that, you may not be on the biggest contract ever. And if you're a free agent this summer, free agency starts on July 1. Uh, you know, the ringer doesn't have to be named until July 18th. So you've got three weeks to figure out all these NBA free agents and whether they want to play or not. You know, that's a, that's a scenario that I think is possible, if not likely. You know, these guys are hopefully all connected. I'm amazed, by the way, how many of these guys are just best friends with everybody in the NBA. They know everybody, you know? Like if I had a dollar for every time somebody told me that Kevin Kevin Durant was going to show up and, and be a booster for a team or that he was going to help them get votes and all this other stuff, I'd be a, a millionaire. It's amazing. But yeah, I think something like that might happen. What about the... I, when I, yeah, go when ahead. I initially thought about a ringer, I, w- I was going to go Brad Miller. I just think, you know, he could, he could pound it inside. He's got the attitude. He's got a little bit of age to him. Yeah. But I think Brian brings up this dimension of the money being an attraction. You know, maybe we get, you know, something crazy out of, out of left field. We get a college player to give up his eligibility and take a shot at the, at the money. That would be a very intriguing storyline to see someone put it all on the line, not just for the money, 
but for their college uh, career, yeah. um, that would be that would be awesome. Well, let's let's play that out. Like, what's the worst case scenario? You have some college kid that shows up, throws his eligibility to the side. He doesn't win. Say he only plays four games, but he's played four dynamite games. Now he goes over to Europe and makes a bunch of money over there. You know. Yeah, no, you're putting yourself on a stage to compete at a high level, and uh, if you take that uh, that stage and, and you perform, um, it, it's going to lead to good things. Brian, so, does, the, does the college uh, sports purist in you kind of wretch at that idea? <laughs> um, you know, they can leave whenever they want now. They're leaving after freshman year, so I think the age of being a purist is gone. There's very few seniors that are ever any good anymore. I mean, this year is kind of an exception with – Buddy Heald and Perry Ellis, guys like that. But, I mean, college is just not, you know, it's not pure anymore. Yeah, it definitely is a different era, I think. And the more money that gets into it, I think the more athletes seem to be aware of what's going on too, you know? If you can play in the NBA after your, your freshman year of college, you should. You should make that money. You shouldn't be forced to stay in school. Well, don't you think just uh, just from a um, just an economic standpoint, you have to be almost nuts. <laughs> you know, like if you had a guaranteed contract – uh, sitting on the table for you, uh, why would you not take that? I don't understand what the what the argument even is. You know, like I was yeah, reading you can, today. You can always go back to school. Right, right. I was reading today about the kid from Haiti. Um, I'm going to mispronounce his last name. Is it Scal Labasser? Is that how you say it? From Kentucky? I have no idea. I know exactly what you're talking about on Kentucky, but I have no idea how to pronounce yeah. his name. Well, I was just reading about him today, and I was thinking about this kid, you know, Grew up poor in Haiti. You know, his family went through the earthquake. I think he had to come to – basically got sent to the United States to go live with a family somewhere, I think, in Alabama. And uh, there's a debate about whether he should declare for the draft. And they're projecting anywhere between number seven and number 20 in the draft. I mean, they're not saying he's going to – he's maybe a second rounder. They're saying he's a first-round pick. Why leave? Why not leave? To me, I think he got to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. As a fan, you're always frustrated when, when – uh when guys decide to, to go to the next level and you, my mental thought is always why, like, why is he leaving his team behind? Like, doesn't he care about the team? But you know, in the end, you know, you're providing for your family or, you know, a, a very healthy lifestyle the, uh, the rest of your years, uh, by making that decision. So, um, yeah, it's hard to say no to that. I'd, I'd do it if I were in their shoes for sure. What do you guys, um, what do you guys have in your brackets right now? Are you still alive in your brackets? NCAAs? I'm yeah. so done. <laughs> no, I'm alive. I wasn't a big Michigan State guy this year. And I, I actually picked Gonzaga to go to the League 8. And if it's like Oklahoma, North Carolina, and Oklahoma wins, I'll win my pool. So I'm one of the few people who's not given up yet. So Vince, is your success in bracket picking contests all relative to connections that you have? It, it sounds like it, absolutely, uh, because my bracket is totally, totally busted. Um, Michigan State ruined me. Purdue ruined me. Um, my uh, my hatred for Indiana University being an in-state rival ruined me. Uh, the Big Ten ruined you all around. Yeah, 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 yeah. Other other than we have the the Wisconsin upset, there's uh, there's no no foresight in my bracket at all. One of the things I wanted to do, guys, was to find out if you had any questions about TPT or any suggestions or ideas about the event. I'm really, honestly, genuinely interested because we try to listen to fans as much as we can. You know, the one the one piece of feedback I have is that when I go to Google and I start typing the basketball, 
the number one thing that comes up is the basketball diaries. And then I get down this like path on the internet where I'm looking at old pictures of Leonardo DiCaprio. And I think you guys are losing out on site traffic. You guys need to somehow bump that down, pay some, pay for some more SEO and get above the basketball diary. That is a challenge. Be the basketball you know, tournament at the top. Vince has a shirt that has Leonardo DiCaprio actually on the shirt. I think it's his most liked Instagram photo of all time. So maybe he just has a thing for Leonardo DiCaprio. You know what's funny? If it's, I've never done that. And as we're on the, as we're on the phone here, I just tried that. And you're right. It does come up the basketball and then diaries is the autofill. <laughs> Yeah, what and if, then Leo takes your eye, and then you're you're down like the Leo path all of a sudden. Not basketball. You you guys got to you guys got to get Leo either on your team or get that down the page. I will say this know? though, in defense of our own SEO, uh, when you actually type in the basketball tournament, TBT is right there, first three hits above any news about the NCAA or anything like that. So that makes me feel pretty good. Dan, what is your elevator pitch? Because when people ask me. When I was trying to recruit fans, a lot of people are like, this sounds way too good to be true. This sounds like a Ponzi scheme. I yeah. don't think they even know how Ponzi schemes work because you're just giving away money. <laughs> but my point is, what is your elevator pitch? It's just so hard to get in in a couple sentences. You're like, oh, there's this tournament. Oh, if you're a fan, you can sign up. And if you have the most fans recruited, it's just hard to tell very quickly. Yeah, people it is. People have no idea what you're talking about. We were literally uh, talking about this today without any exaggeration. Um, I think that the easiest thing to do is just to speak from – uh, the bullet points of what the event is and then how it works from there, right? So what we always do is we say that the first thing is that basically it's a March Madness event uh, for professionals. You don't even need to get into the time of year because then they'll ask you, well, when do you, when do you play, right? Um, the next one is that it's open to anyone. So meaning anybody can play. And then, then, then the follow-up question to that is going to come. $2 million, winner takes all. People get that right away. 10% of the prize goes to the fans of the winning team. So basically, like you hit those four bullet points. And then if they're following along with what you're saying, that's when you start to get into the more complicated stuff. But the, at the basic level of it, it is a basketball tournament, which is why we call it the basketball tournament. It's like the easiest thing to understand is that it is what it is. And then once you get into all the intricacies of it, I think that's where you start getting people kind of really interested in, well, why is this thing happening the way that it is? Why do they let the fans vote? Why are the fans even getting paid to begin with? You know, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I, I actually, I have an email I'm looking at, I sent 10 hours ago uh, to John <laughs> that says those four bullet points, professional, mar professional March Madness, open to anyone, $2 million, winner takes all, 10% goes to the fans of the winning team. <laughs> That's good. That's kind of what the ESPN graphic was. I remember seeing the game on DVR, and they're kind of trying to explain it, but it's yeah. tough. It's just there's a lot, and there's a lot um, there's a lot of complexity, I think, for a variety of reasons, because a lot of them have to do with the fact that we didn't want to leave any stone unturned. You know, It's kind of easy to throw something together and just put a bunch of money out and then see what happens. But I think the more levels you have to it and the more intricacy you have and um, the more thoughtfulness that you put into it hopefully we've been able to project a real level of um, professionalism with the event that you know i think a lot of other things have not been able to accomplish so far basketball is kind of a shady sport in a lot of ways and i think it's pretty easy to get suckered in by kind of fly by night leagues and events and and things like that so what we're really trying to do is make sure that we're on a solid footing as we can yeah i think it's march madness where the fans Pick the teams, and if your team wins, you can win money too. 
Like your elevator pitch has got to like punch me in the face. Right, say I that again because I'm going to type it down. Questions. March March Madness. Yeah. March Madness where the fans pick the teams and if your team wins, you take money home or, you know, like really punchy. We, we got to work on that so that you guys can uh, make it as succinct as possible. There I can't be follow-up questions in the elevator. I love it. This is really timely, honestly. <laughs> this is a discussion that we're having even as we speak. This is great. March Madness where the fans pick the teams and if your team wins, you take money home. That's a good one. So, uh, Brian, you were telling me before that you had some good stories about recruiting other fans to actually vote. Yeah, sure. So I really wanted to get to five fans for Overseas Elite. That is the level I saw that I thought would guarantee me a thousand bucks. After Vince, I sent out an email to 20 people. I think 15 responded just like, you know, leave me alone. Like, you're clearly <laughs> messing with me. One per- <laughs> One person even wrote back. He's, he said something like, I probably could have signed up in the time it took to write this, but, you know, I'd rather send you this email and annoy you. Like, I mean, maybe that's the type of reaction I elicited. It could be on me. But I was not getting much support at all. Um, I ended up fighting tooth and nail. I got five fans. And then when Overseas Elite won, I made sure to uh, send them the picture of me and um, – Andrew with the million dollar check. And then when I also got my a thousand dollar check, I sent them that picture as well. Um, and then to make it even more real, I just, I got my 1099 from you guys. So thanks for that. So, you know what? Vince, Vince ended up making as much money as me because he was 500 bucks. So he was under the threshold for declaring. Oh my gosh. So. I never even thought about that. So you got taxed. How much oh, did you I have thought to- all about that. Vince has been gloating about it. That is so funny. Yeah. I've already spent that money, so on all TBT gear. Vince, did you take any pictures of yourself with your five hundred dollar check? You know, I was very proud to get my my five hundred dollar check. I forget which order it came in. I think Brian got his first, so there was that anticipation, waiting for your check in the mail and and, and showing it off. Um, I, I will give Brian this; he more actively recruited than I did, so he deserved the bigger check. And for all of our friends who didn't believe that it was real, there is hard evidence now. So they're not going to be missing uh, TBT this year. Uh, but with that money, that you know, after taxes, Brian has spent, if not all of it, a, a majority portion of it on TBT merchandise. He is wearing an overseas elite jersey right now. He bought me uh, a pair of uh, Notre Dame Finding Alumni shorts. I think half his closet at this point is uh, TBT merchandise. So he's putting the money back in the system, how much which you, you guys probably love. This is amazing. Brian, how much have you bought? Oh, man. What do you have? Like, um, what are some of the what, what are the items that you'll wear on a daily basis? I don't like really. I mean, I'll wear them to the gym, but what I got, I have these two pairs of shorts that I really have no association with besides liking the colors. I think it's like DFW and then Team Bang. I just thought it was a funny name and I like the shorts. <laughs> That's a New York City team. Um, um, and then jersey-wise, I got – the first one I bought was the Slam jersey just because I love – I've always read Slam magazine, so I liked it. Um, and then I ordered the Cuse jersey because I'm upstate New York guy, so I had to get that, Bayheim's Army. And then I finally got an overseas elite jersey. Um, I sent you guys an email asking about it and she's like, yeah, we have one. I think we have one left. Um, do you want to lock it up? I was like, oh yes, immediately. Unbelievable. Do you wear anything under these jerseys or are you wearing them just like they do in the court? Yeah. On the court. Definitely. Overseas elite. I mean, it's a basketball Jersey. 
I actually kind of also have a funny story about the um, the slam jersey. I since I have nothing else to wear, clearly my closet is all basketball themed. I was in Las Vegas for a bachelor party last, just right after the tournament, and I tried to wear the um, slam jersey to the uh, to a pool party, and they wouldn't let me in because they said it was potentially gang related. Slam, and I'm like. Yeah, they just said any jersey at all was potentially gang-related, and then I couldn't wear it in. So what I did was say, this is actually not a jersey at all. It's a charitable organization. And then I explained um, on the back, it says Pencils for Promise, and I explained to them what the charity was and what Slam was, and they let me in. That's so, awesome. That's nice awesome. Very That's very quick thinking, too, from a lawyer. <laughs> yeah you gotta be you gotta have a, an argument ready at the, at all times guys this has really been a lot of fun i would love to have you back on at some point once the once the teams start creating their profiles and the votes start coming in because i think people are going to be really interested to figure out who the two guys that know probably the most about tbt are going to be voting for in 2016 would you guys want to do that definitely absolutely all right that sounds great guys i really appreciate your time and uh we'll talk soon thanks man thanks 